Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Praying about that and seeking the Lord and trusting Him, and then next Sunday morning you'll be asked to vote to call Jeremy and his wife here to be part of our church, okay? All right, let me pray for us, and we're going to jump into the Scripture this morning. Father, we thank you for all you have done and all you are doing, Father, in our church. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we are thankful and uh, just praise your name for everything you've done, everything you've given us over the last 49 years. Father, we we hope for at least 49 more of even more blessings. Father, we're going to do the best we can to take what you give us and use it for your glory and your honor. So be with us this morning as we open the truth of your word. Just give us a clear picture of uh, who you are, what you've called us to do, who you want us to be, and then through the power of the Spirit working in us, May we be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. I want to thank Jason for preaching for me last week. I had the opportunity to to be gone for a week of vacation with my family, and it was uh, much needed and and restful. And uh, thank you for allowing me to do that. And Jason, thank you for standing in the gap for me when I was gone and and I love technology because I can listen to the sermon even when I'm gone and talk to Jason about it and I did that and he did a great job and but I'm happy to be back with you this morning we are continuing our series called sent a series that ought to challenge you to be more it ought to challenge you to do more it ought to challenge you to recognize God's calling in your life and I've said the statement I'm going to say again every week because I want it to, to kind of resonate in your heart, and I want you to understand the truth behind this statement. We've seen it over and over again, that we serve a sending God. We serve a God who's very interested in using you to accomplish great things for Him. We don't serve a God that's disconnected and unconcerned and sits on the throne and is unaware. From the beginning, what we see scripturally is that God has sent His people to accomplish his will. And so we've looked at all sorts of examples through the last several weeks, and for the, the, the weeks ahead of us, we'll continue to look at these examples of scriptural uh, verses and people and accounts where the Lord specifically sent these people to do very specific things. Jesus was sent, Isaiah was sent, Ezekiel was sent, Paul was sent, Peter was sent, John the Baptist was sent, on and on the list goes. And so we've kind of taken this, this understanding of being sent We've taken the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and we've tried to apply it to our lives by asking the simple question, what's the Lord sending you to do? Christianity is not passive, folks. Christianity isn't just about sitting in a Bible study or sitting in a worship service. Those are good and they're healthy and you should do them. But Christianity really is about going. Jeremy mentioned Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples. Not sit passively and hope it happens, right? This is an active faith. There is a clear calling in Scripture. We have been sent, and we need to ask ourselves the question on a regular basis. What is God sending me to do? And so we've used this word, and we've created this acronym to kind of help you understand this word a little bit more, maybe help you remember it. And you can pull that up if you would for me, please, Wanda. We begin with S, Spirit-empowered. E is evangelistic, and we said if you wanted to kind of take those two and summarize them, we could say very simply, in the power of the Spirit, we've been sent to be evangelistic. So there's this clear mandate in Scripture, not only the calling in our lives, not only the power of the Spirit working through us, which we'll see that again today, but this call to be evangelistic, to, to live for Christ 
every moment of every day to, to, to live your life asking the question on a regular basis, not only what has God sent me to do, but how can I be evangelistic? How can I reach this person for Christ? How can I minister to this person for Christ right where I am? So E is evangelistic. This morning we're going to move from the E into the N. N for us is going to represent, pull that up. That's probably my fault. Did I not give it to you? I, I really didn't give it to you. So in is no answer. There's no answer for in, apparently. There's nothing. It's blank. That is so anticlimactic, you know. It's supposed to be exciting. In, I'm going to tell you, since I don't have it on the screen, is no limits. No limits. It'd been good if it could have come up, but it didn't. I'll fix that between now and the next service. In, oh, look at that. Y'all were just kidding with me, weren't you? She just typed it in real fast. Okay, excellent. Very nice. In, no limits. Now, I want to kind of give you just a big picture of what this means, and we're going to delve into this scripturally because I want to prove it to you scripturally. Don't just take my word for it. And again, just a side note, don't ever just take my word for anything. I mean that. T- take the truth of God's word and see if I'm preaching truth. But I want to prove to you that we're saying that when we go and our sin and the power of the Lord, there are no limits. Here's what that means. That means that when the Lord works through you, there are no limits to what you can accomplish. Did you know that? A lot of you didn't know that, apparently. You're like, surely there's some limits. No, when, when the Lord works through you and the Spirit empowers you, there are no limits to what the Lord can do through you. And so I want you to see that scripturally. I want you to understand that scripturally. And so in order to do that, we're going to look at John chapter 3 this morning. Now, most of us, when we think of John chapter 3, we think of John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world. We we know that passage of scripture. And that passage of scripture, John 3, 16, comes within the conversation that Christ has with Nicodemus. And he explains the idea of salvation and, and being born again. But the story changes about midway through John chapter 3, because the Bible tells us, and, and we don't have this one on the screen, but I want to read it to you. The Bible tells us in John three twenty two that after this, in other words, Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus. He explains spiritual life. He explains salvation. After this, the Bible says Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and were baptized. So in other words, Jesus is now going to leave the city He's going to leave the conversation with Nicodemus. He's going to go with his followers into the wilderness. He's going to teach. He's going to preach. He's going to lead people to repentance. He's going to baptize people. And then this interesting thing begins to happen. Now, many of you are familiar with John the Baptist. John has kind of gone before Christ, and, and we haven't talked about him in our series yet, but John was literally, we'll see the word in a minute, sent ahead of Christ to kind of prepare the way for Jesus. And John is in the wilderness, and he's preaching, and he's teaching. He actually baptized Jesus And when Jesus, in verse 22 of John 3, goes into the wilderness, the people that are following John the Baptist go to John the Baptist and they say, basically, hey, John, this guy, Jesus, that you baptized, he's come back into the wilderness. He's teaching and he's preaching and and they're baptizing people into repentance. And, hey, John, all the people are now flocking to Jesus. They're leaving what you're doing and they're going to hear Jesus. Now, let's pick the story up in John chapter 3, verse 27, because John the Baptist is going to respond to this. To this, John replied. Now, just to be clear here, John the Baptist is who we're talking about in John 3, 27. He's gone out and prepared the way. To this, John replied, a person can only receive what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Messiah, 
but am, here's the word, sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. Now, if you're taking notes, this next verse, you ought to underline it or circle it or highlight it because it's awfully important. Here's what John says. Speaking of Christ, he must become greater and I must become less. He must become greater, I must become less. Now, verse 31. The one who comes from above is above all, because now he's going to talk about the greatness of Christ. The one who's from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent, there's the word again, speaks the words of God. For God himself gives the Spirit without limit powerful verse 35 the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands and whoever believes in the son has eternal life but whoever rejects the son will not see life for god's wrath remains on them now here's truth number one this is foundational to our understanding this morning but i believe it's really foundational to your walk in christ number one we are sent to magnify christ and minimize ourselves If you wanted to kind of summarize the Christian walk, and I I know you can't do this with just a phrase or two, but if you wanted to kind of understand how you ought to live your life for Christ, if you wanted to kind of understand what your walk in Him looks like, if you wanted to understand kind of how to deepen your faith and what that ought to appear like in your day-to-day walk, it ought to be this. You're going to magnify and glorify the Lord Christ. You're going to bring Him up, and you're going to minimize yourself. Now, John the Baptist has this very interesting place in this story. Because if you don't know anything about John, John was kind of this this strange kind of guy. He lived out in the desert all alone. He wore strange clothes and he ate uh, locusts with honey. And you may remember the story if you ever studied John the Baptist. So he's, he's kind of like a loner. He's out by himself. But the Lord does something pretty incredible in his life. And you don't have to flip back, but in John chapter 1... The prologue to the Gospel of John, verses 1 through 14, is we're we're learning about Christ and Christ's call. There's this interesting little kind of sub-note in verse 6 of John chapter 1 where the Lord says this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John the Baptist, in other words, was sent to prepare the way for Christ. Now, the sermon isn't really about this, but there's this kind of side note that I think it's it's worth kind of sharing and understanding. John was kind of this strange guy that kind of lived by himself off in the desert. And sometimes we have this tendency, if we're not careful, of thinking that God can't use us. You ever thought like that? God's not going to be able to use me for, for whatever reason. Maybe I'm different or I don't know enough Bible or I'm too nervous or fear. Or you fill in the blank. God, God can't use me. I would say to you, if God uses somebody like John the Baptist, this kind of strange guy that lived on his own, that, that even by the standards of the first century was a little weird. If God can use people like that, he can use anybody. Not only did God use John the Baptist, but the Bible specifically says he was sent by the Lord. He was sent by the Lord as a witness for Christ. 
Now, I want you to notice how John views Jesus. Pull verse 31 up, if, if you would, for me again, please. Why? I want you to notice now, John the Baptist is, is speaking. He says in verse 30 that Jesus must be greater, he must be less. And then he's going to go on to describe Jesus. Listen to the way in which he describes Jesus. The one who comes from above. You see that? Is above all. And then later in that verse, the one who comes from heaven is above all. All. Skip down to verse 34. For the one whom God has sent, see that? Speaks the word of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. Verse 35. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Here's what John says about Jesus He comes from heaven, He's above all, He's come to earth to share the words of God, He's come to speak truth to us. And then in verse 35, John says that the Father who loves the Son has placed, bring 35 up, the Father who loves the Son has placed what? What's the word? Everything in His hands. Now that's an interesting idea. I want to just kind of camp out there just for a minute. Here's what John says, because Christ has been sent, because Christ has got a very specific reason for being here, because God the Father put everything in the hands of Christ, because he is to be worshipped above all things, John says, listen, because of all those reasons, we need to magnify Christ and increase Christ and decrease ourselves. Now, that word everything is important because it means, guess what? Everything. Everything is in the hands of Christ. You are in Christ's hands. Did you know that? Your family is in Christ's hands. Your job situation is in Christ's hands. That illness that you're dealing with, with your family, that's in Christ's hands. You know, we, we kind of have this tendency during this time of year, every four years, to get real nervous about politics, and it seems to dominate everything we're doing and thinking, and, and this isn't at all a sermon about politics, but let me just say this, regardless of what happens over the next several weeks, we're still in Christ's hands. Did you know that? Period. And so you, you should take great comfort in understanding that everything is in the hands of Christ. And because of that, Paul says, listen, excuse me, John says, because of all that God has done and all that he's given Christ and he's placed everything in Christ's hands, we need to magnify Jesus and we need to minimize ourselves. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you should live your life with the idea that Christ will increase and you will decrease. See, we we are sent to recognize and to proclaim the glory of the Lord while at the same time minimizing our, our own view of ourselves. You see that? Christ is here. We're here. John Piper said it like this. This is what is happening in every text of this gospel in one way or another. Jesus is being held up as glorious, magnificent, splendid, supreme, full of grace and truth, and as we are enabled to see him for who he really is, grace upon grace streams into our lives, and Jesus becomes for us the most precious reality in the world, forgiving all of our sins, providing providing all our unrighteousness, and becoming an all-satisfying treasure and friend. Christ is magnified, we decrease. We had the opportunity last week as we were on vacation. We were down at the Gulf in Pensacola. And it was a beautiful week and the, the weather was nice. And we enjoyed going outside and, and kind of sitting and doing nothing and reading and playing around at the pool. And we got this idea one day that it'd be fun. We were 
place we were located was kind of on the Gulf, but behind us, you know, kind of the inter- intercoastal waterway was the, was the Santa Rosa Sound. So there's this big body of water behind where we were staying as well. And we thought it'd be fun one day to rent a boat and go out in the Santa Rosa Sound. Now, the boat was probably 22, 23 feet long. It's like a pontoon boat, nothing real fancy. You know, as, you, as you're standing on the shore and the salty sea captain that I am, I had no doubt that I could manage this crew and this ship out into the waters of the Santa Rosa Santa. So I'm standing on the, on the dock and I'm feeling pretty good about myself, right? I mean, this is easy. I mean, this, there's the boat and there's the water. And so we get on the boat and load all our stuff. And we got it for the whole day. We literally left in the morning all day. We're out on the boat and come back about five that afternoon. Well, we, in, in all of our brilliance, and I should just say all of my brilliance, we picked the one day that the bad storm was going to blow through to get out in the middle of this thing with a little bitty boat. Now, you may know this if you've been out in water before. I don't go out in water a whole lot on boats. But when, when you're standing on the shore, the water doesn't look all that big. Did you know that? You're like, there it is. I mean, we can handle this. Here's the boat, right? Let's get on out there. Well, when you get out in the middle of the water and the wind's blowing 35 miles an hour and it's pelting rain and the waves are sloshing over the edge of the boat, you seem awfully small all of a sudden. Did you know that? And so we're, I mean, we're literally banging around. The kids are screaming, literally screaming for their lives. We're like, this is so fun, Dad, wakes. We had the beach on the other side and we had this little bitty umbrella that we literally huddled under for an hour as it poured rain on us. That was our adventure on the Santa Rosa Sound. But as I was out there in those waves, in the, in the middle of all that water, I, I was just kind of reminded of, of, of how I miss it sometimes with Christ. Because sometimes we just don't understand the greatness of the Lord, do we? We stand back from a distance and we're like, eh, what's the big deal, you know? But the more we, we kind of get out into who Christ is and we, we get into his word and we understand him a little bit, we put ourselves out there kind of in the middle of who he is in the world, and we begin to trust him more and more, we begin to recognize his power, don't we? And we begin to recognize his greatness. And as he increases and his power increases, and we recognize his glory more and more, we realize really just how small we are. John says we need to to recognize who Christ is. We need to recognize his greatness. He needs to increase and we need to decrease. And we all sit here and we read this and we think, amen, that's right, Adam. We need, to, we need to let the Lord increase and we need to decrease. And it sounds good on paper and we want to say that it's true. And then we get into the world tomorrow morning and we try to increase ourselves, don't we? And we forget about Jesus. Well, I did that yesterday, and that was Sunday, right? I mean, I took care of my, my Jesus thing Sunday, and now I'm kind of back in the real world, and next Sunday morning I'll think about Jesus. So we just, we slip it, don't we? We flip it. We increase, and Jesus decreases. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we would probably say, you know, we, we like to get the glory a lot of times, don't we? We like to feel important and we like to feel good and we like people to look up to us and we like to increase. And every time we increase, Christ decreases. And when that happens, Christ is not pleased with us. So I want you to notice as we kind of continue through this, I want you to notice what our lives would look like if we were characterized by a desire to make Christ greater and ourselves less. Look at verse 34 again. John speaking of Jesus for the one whom God has sent. And again, I just love that word. It's just, it's so many times we see it in scripture. The one whom God sent speaks the words of God. For God gives the spirit, what? Read it. Without limit. Here's truth number two. We are sent, we are sent, number two, with no limits. 
Now just let that sink in for just a second. We are sent with no limits. Now, some of you are thinking, I, you know, I don't know about that. I'm not sure I can buy that. Are we, what does that mean, sent with no limits? I mean, surely there's some limits on what we can accomplish. And maybe we're reading that verse wrong. Okay, fair enough. Let's assume for a second we're misunderstanding that verse. Let me show it to you a couple different ways. We have it on the screen. Philippians 4.13. Can we bring that up for you? I can do, what's that? All this, or some verses say all things through him. That's Jesus who gives me strength. It doesn't say I can do just a few things. Or uh, I can do things when I'm in the right mood. Or I can do things in my own strength. Or I'm really limited in what the Lord can do. Is I can do what? All things through him, through Christ, who gives me strength. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to send you the Spirit. And I'm going to send this Spirit without limit. And because you're a believer and because you have the Spirit and because the Spirit is sent without limit, that means you can accomplish everything you want to accomplish through the power of the Lord working through you. As the Spirit lives in us and works through us, we accomplish everything for the Lord without limit. Now, let's, let's take it a step further because when we look at the Bible and we want to understand that the people in, in, in the Scripture that contributed the most at the top of the list would be Christ for us, right? All the things that Jesus did, all that he lived for, all that he accomplished. I want you to listen to the words of Christ in John chapter 14. He's speaking to his followers. Here's what he says. Very truly, I tell you, we have it on the screen. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even what? Greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Let's, just, let's read that again. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, says Jesus, and they will do even, what's the word? Greater things than these. Jesus says, listen, believer, whoever you are, because of the Spirit working in you, because of the limitless power of the Spirit working through you, you can accomplish not only what Christ accomplished, you can accomplish greater things than Christ ever did. That's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, that, that should remove any doubt you have of serving the Lord. That should remove any fear that you have. The problem isn't really the fact that God has called us to do it and sent us to do it. That's not a problem. That's clear. The problem isn't the power of the Spirit because the Spirit is given without limit. The problem isn't even what Christ says. Christ says we can do greater things. All those things are true and right and real and will happen. The problem is with our own faith, isn't it? Where we say, you know, I just don't, I just don't believe the Lord can do that through me. I'm just not sure that Christ can accomplish great things in my life. There was a movie that came out several years ago called Limitless. Some of you may have seen it based on a novel. I didn't read the book, but I saw the movie. And the premise of the movie is that there's this guy who discovers this little pill. And when he takes the pill, it kind of unlocks his brain. You know, they say our brain operates on about 10 or 15, maybe 20% of its capacity. You've probably read that before. There's like 80 to 85% of our brain that just doesn't work for whatever reason or it's not working at the same time the other parts are working. And so the, the premise of this movie is he takes this little pill and it unlocks 100% of his brain. And he's got all these thoughts. He, he writes a book. He gets this incredible job. His, his life is just amazing until he kind of runs out of the pills and the story is kind of what happens when he runs out of the pills and, and what his life is like. And I just started thinking, what, what if that was real? 
And what if there was a pill your doctor could give you that kind of unlocked the potential of your brain? Would you take it? And I thought to myself, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see what that would do. That'd be very interesting to unlock 100% of my brain. And as I started thinking about what, what the Lord says here and what John is trying to teach us and what the Spirit says and what Christ says, we, we, we kind of come to this truth that even though that limitless movie is kind of this fictional movie, even this, this idea of, of unlocking 100% of your brain is not real. Scripturally, we're told, biblically, we're told that through the power of the Spirit working in us, we are without limits in what we can accomplish. I just don't think we get that very often. I think we miss that truth and and we allow the enemy to trick us into believing we can't really do the things Christ has called us to do. And so we kind of come to this place where we say, you know, well, if if I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, then I'm going to make $10 million next year. That's what I'm going to do. That's my job. That's my job. Or I'm going to get a a brand new promotion and I'm going to become the president of my company. And that's what I I can do all things through Christ. We kind of start this list of what we want to accomplish. And I just would warn you, here's the problem with that. You're trying to figure out what you want to do based on your will. You understand that? Not Christ's will. And there's a big difference. I can accomplish all things through the power of Christ, not through my own power. Jesus says, I'm going to give you the spirit without limit. When you do, you're going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're going to be salt and you're going to be light. And let's look what happens. I need to finish up verse 36. Look what John says. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Truth number three. We are sent to share salvation with the world. We're sent to bring glory to the Lord, to magnify Him and minimize ourselves. We're sent in the power of the Spirit to be limitless in what he can accomplish through us. And we're sent very simply to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in the Son, the Bible says, has eternal life. This was the ministry of Christ. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Matthew four seventeen. From the time Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. You say, these are good verses, these are important verses. I want to understand these verses and I want to think about and pray about these verses. You should, but let me just, let me just kind of finish with this idea. I just want to be very clear with this. This idea of being sent and empowered by the Spirit and called to lead people to salvation and the limitless ability that the Lord gives us to accomplish His will, this is not an academic discussion. Did you know that? It's not enough just to kind of go and think about it and pray about it and talk about it and go in your Sunday school class and discuss it. All those are good things. But at the end of the day, when the rubber meets the road, we got to act on it. Because there are people just outside of the walls of this church that are lost and are separated from the Lord. And the Lord says, I've given you unlimited power to do something about it. Why aren't you active in your faith? I've sent you to accomplish my will. I've sent you to make a difference in this world. I've sent you to share the love of Christ to anybody that will hear. The problem isn't the calling. The problem is our faith and our obedience. And so we come to this scripture and we come to this story and we come to this calling. And I'll ask you the question I finish with every Sunday morning. Very simply, what is God sending you to do? That should be the question you ask yourself over and over and over again. Let's pray. Father, your calling is very clear. 
It's evident, Lord, it's becoming more and more evident in our study that we have been sent to accomplish great things. Father, it's not an academic or just a theological discussion, Lord. It's truth by which we need to base our lives. And so, Lord, help us just to see the clear calling in Scripture. Help us to see and understand that we've been sent. Help us to understand what we've been sent to do, Lord. What are you sending us to accomplish through the power of the Spirit? And then, Lord, help us to understand this morning from from your truth that there's really a limitless supply of what we can do if we trust you. It's not about your calling, your strength, Lord. It's really about our faith and obedience. So just strengthen us, encourage us, work through us to accomplish great things for your kingdom. And we'll be sure to praise your name for everything that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is always open. You can come pray and respond to how the Lord's working in your your heart. But this is your time to respond to the calling of the Lord as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.